Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Our five-year project just completed in northwest Cork has resulted in a significant improvement in water quality in its rivers and it's thrown a major lifeline to the seriously endangered species such as the freshwater pearl mussel. To discuss the Dohalo Farming for Blue Dot Catchments uh, EIP programme, I'm joined by Michael O'Connor who is an agri-environmental scientist uh, who worked on the uh, project. Good morning to you, Michael. Um, and you're very welcome. I suppose I, when this came across my desk yesterday, I had to do a bit of research because I didn't know what a blue dot catchment was. So I suppose start at the beginning and tell me what is a blue dot catchment? Yeah, so the a blue dot catchment, uh, it's a kind of a, a word for a high status objective catchment. So the catchment is the area of land that drains into a river. So under the Water Framework Directive, all uh, water bodies... Um, for EU member states must achieve satisfactory status um, by 2027. Uh, so that that's, we call that in Ireland, good status. Okay. So all water bodies have to get to good status, but there's a small number that have to get to a higher status. So these are the high status objective water bodies, and those are known as the blue dot catchments. So they represent a small number. There's 334 of them in the country. Right. Uh, and we're lucky enough to have a nice few of them up here in, uh, in North Cork. Do will we reach the good status by twenty twenty seven on all of our waters? It's a big task, you know. Yeah. It's not an easy an, e- an easy answer, um, because at the moment we fifty two percent of our water bodies in Ireland are achieving their status. So there's a, there's still a lot of, a long way to go. It's um, kind of a shocking figure, isn't it? Half only half. Yeah, and it's you know it, it hasn't been changing. Uh, at the pace it needs to, to get to there by 2027. So it's a, it is a tough task. But, you know, it is possible to make changes and that's something we've seen throughout yeah, the project. Yeah, that's, and that's what this project really is is uh, showcasing. Now, you obviously had to work very closely with farmers. So take me back and tell me, what did you ask farmers to do and was there good buy-in? Yeah, well, we had, we had very good buy-in and um, I suppose, like, you know, our project, it's, uh, I work for IRD Do Hello. We're a rural development company in, in, in North Cork. Um, and South East Kerry uh, and I suppose you know for the past 
40 years, we've been working very close with farmers in the area through various different schemes, through LEADER, through the Rural Social Scheme, um, through LIFE projects. Um, so even going back to 2010, we had our first major EU uh, LIFE project, which was um, an environmental project looking at uh, rivers. Uh, that was the Raptor LIFE project. And we had another one after that, the Sam O'Kay LIFE and after that, we had another two EAPs, including the one we're talking about now. So we've been in the area working with farmers for a long, long time. Uh, and I suppose that was key to, to bringing farmers on board was we already had an established um, relationship with farmers. With the, yeah. they, they trusted us. Um, and it was, you know, when you can get a number of farmers in that way, you can bring more in then through, through word of mouth. So what did, you ha- what did farmers need to do in order for you to achieve what you've achieved? So... It was a hybrid results-based agri-environment scheme. So, uh, if you, you know, a lot of people will be familiar now with ACRES. That's a results-based scheme as well. Yeah. Like, And uh, that, that means that farmers get paid a higher payment for, you know, a higher quality habitat or whatever the measure it is that protects the environment. Okay. Um, so that was par- a big part of the project. Farmers got paid um, to protect, you know, things like wet grasslands, uh, to have vegetated drains, um, in-stream woody habitat, you know, all of these things that, that protect rivers, riparian, woodland. Um, and then the hybrid part of it, I suppose, was there was, you know, th- there was also an opportunity there for what we call additional proposed works, so other capital actions, uh, where farmers could come to us with an idea. You know, they could say, I-, I think if I was to install this measure on my farm, it would make a big difference. And, you know, we would advise and we'd work together to come up with a solution. So we would then provide funding for things like water bars, which would take soiled water off a farm road before it can get to a a river or we might you know fund the planting of a hedgerow these kind of things we could we could provide funding to the farmers to do these things okay and of course and hedgerows are so important isn't they very important especially yeah. you know in those kind of catchments that have the heavy soils like we do have in the aloe catchment um because what you're going to have there is is water not soaking down through the soil it's going to a lot of the water is going to pass over the land and that can carry with it phosphorus so having measures like your hedgerows you know, they slow down that water, they create better infiltration in the soil uh, and they can capture that phosphorus, provide a kind of a break in the mm. fields, as well as all the other benefits, you know, uh, carbon sequestration and biodiversity and, and beautiful landscapes. Now, tell me, uh, talk to me a little bit about the improvement in water quality. What have you noticed since, the, since you started the project? Yeah, so like from the beginning of the project to the end, um, we've seen four water bodies within the catchment improve in status. Um, so there are 17 for the purposes of monitoring. You know, we're on the rivers Allo, Dalu and Aounanar and some of their tributaries. But for the purposes of monitoring, those are further split up into different smaller catchments. So you'd have like Allo 10, Allo 20, Allo 30, you know. Mm. So we'd have 17 um, water bodies in the catchment. Uh, two of those were not monitored in the last monitoring period. So it's hard to know, you know, did they improve or not. But of the 15 that were monitored, four of them improved. Right. Um, so three of them went from good up to the highest status and one went from poor up to moderate. So still has a little bit to go. To go but, but getting there. Getting there, yeah. exactly, yeah. So that was a big thing, you know. Um, overall, you know, we're seeing a higher, a net increase, you know. We're seeing rivers go in the right direction within that catchment. Um, and like you mentioned, the freshwater pearl mussel there at the start. Um, so we've, you know, the aloe... Uh, the Allo 60, which is from Fremont down to, to Kenturk, that improved in status. And that's a very important stretch there for the freshwater pearl mussel and for many other sensitive species as well. So that's a very positive thing. Why is the freshwater pearl mussel? Because we hear it gets referenced every now and again. 
I know one one of the startling things I know about it. They lived to well over a hundred years, which I think is is incredible. Why are they so important? Well, I suppose they you know they're one of our most endangered species, so we don't want to see, to see them go. Um, but aside from that. Um, you know, they're an indicator species. They tell us something about the ecosystem. So, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot there to protect the freshwater pearl mussel. And it's, you know, it's, it's not really just... Will they about only live, sorry, will they only live in, in good, clean water? Yeah, so ah. they will, exactly. Yeah, they, they require very, very high water quality, especially okay. the juveniles. Um, the, the adult freshwater pearl mussel probably could tolerate a bit of pollution, but, you know, to see recruitment of juveniles, to see them reproduce and, and produce young... That's the real great challenge. Great, great. Yeah. And I, I see in, in your, but they, actually, they can live up to 130 years. Mm-hmm. They're incredible, aren't they? Or more, yeah. Yeah. But, but I suppose like, you know, talking about the freshwater pearl mussel, it's important to remember that, you know, we're not just trying to protect the freshwater pearl mussel. We're trying to, yeah. it's telling us something. If we have freshwater pearl mussel in the river, it's telling us that this is a great river for other things as well. Oh, you the know. salmon is an obvious one. Exactly. The salmon as well will be pollution sensitive. So if we want, you know, a salmon and what threatens the pearl mussel, as well as like, you know, nutrient pollution of the water, a big thing for them is sediment. So when you have sediment coming in off the land, that clogs up the spaces between the stones that the freshwater pearl mussel needs to survive, especially the little tiny baby freshwater pearl mussels. And that, that habitat is also important for salmon to lay their eggs, for trout yeah. to lay their eggs, you know, for lots of other fish to lay their eggs, and for the juveniles. When that gets smothered, you know, there's no oxygen for them and they die. Uh, the same with insects, you know, if you think about insects, a very, very important part of the aquatic food chain. You know, um, if you do, if you kick over some stones and you had a nest, you'd see a huge amount of insects. You wouldn't believe what's underneath the stones in the river. But those are a really, really important part of the aquatic food chain as well. And those need, a lot of them need um, those spaces in between the stones. They need clear um gravel beds to, to survive. OK, now um, this has been hugely successful, obviously, uh, for for the area. Is it now important that we learn from from this project and are there plans to replicate it in other parts of the county or, or indeed in other parts of the country? Yeah, so I suppose that is, that's a good point you made there that it's time to re- replicate it because, you know, it's great to see these improvements in one catchment, but in the end of the day, it's just one small catchment and we've got yeah. a big challenge ahead of us in Ireland. Um, so the idea of these EIP projects, they're called European Innovation Partnerships, is to trial innovation, is to create these demo farms, these these lessons that we can all learn from. And we do feed that back to policy. You know, we 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 feed that back to the department. It gets worked into new, bigger schemes. There's a couple of bigger schemes coming. There's a new Waters EIP. There's a Waters of Life project in the area as well. Um, but, you know, upscaling this project now, learning Just, from the lessons yeah. is is very, very important part. And it can, you know, we're constantly um, trying to get the message out there for example, true today being on the radio, but you know, to give you another example, on Friday we will have some Dairy Gold um, graduate advisors coming to visit some of our demo farms, and you know they will take some of their lessons learned and they'll bring it back to their farms in, in Cork that they're working on. Um, and in terms of a new project, it's early days yet, but you know we've we have had agri environment projects uh, for a long, long time, like I mentioned uh, in the area, and we are we are definitely looking into it and continuing to build on the great progress we've made with the with the farmers in the catchment. Because I, I, I saw in the, the piece from Sean O'Reardon in the paper, uh, 1.47 million was what it cost. In the scheme of things, it isn't a huge amount of money. No, I suppose, you know, for for the lessons learned and everything, for that can that can be fed back and the amount of people that have learned from it. Uh, and a lot of that money as well went back into, 
you know, the rural economy. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's all about. Listen, uh, Michael, it's an exciting project and uh, well done to everybody involved in IRD to Hollow, but Michael O'Connor, um, Agri-Environmental Scientist. Thank you for joining us in studio.